Welcome to The Checkup, brought to you by Barry Nilsson's Health Law Team. The Checkup is a series of interviews, case studies and stories with some truly interesting and innovative people from all kinds of backgrounds, lawyers, doctors, authors, cyber experts and more. Together we provide a regular dose of all the latest happenings in healthcare and tackle some of the big issues within the industry. If you'd like to hear more, make sure you subscribe on Podbean or Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to get in touch with our team, head to bnlaw.com.au. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The Checkup. My name's Jasmine Sears, and I'm a solicitor in Barry Nielsen's health law team. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, Catherine McMillan, QC. Welcome to The Checkup, Catherine. Thank you, and thank you very much for inviting me. Before we dive into today's episode, and for those who aren't familiar with Catherine's work, I've got her very impressive bio here, which I'd like to quickly read. As I mentioned, Catherine is a QC. She was admitted to the Queensland Bar in 1988 and took silk in 2006. Catherine is also an adjunct professor at the TC Byrne School of Law, University of Queensland, and an arbitrator mediator. She's served on a number of boards, including the Psychologist Board, Mental Health Tribunal and Anti-Discrimination Tribunal. Catherine has acted as counsel assisting in coronial inquests and as counsel for the Medical Board in Queensland's Public Hospitals Commission of Inquiry. She has also appeared as senior counsel in the closure of the Barrett Centre. You're a very busy woman, so thank you for taking some time out today to join me. It's a pleasure. Always interesting to talk about this area. Today we're discussing giving evidence in court and more specifically some tips and traps for medical professionals who may be called on as an expert witness. Catherine is obviously well placed to provide some advice and insight as to what you can expect if you are subpoenaed to appear in court. We've got a bit to get through today so we'll dive straight into it. A medical practitioner may be called as a medical witness to give evidence in court and the evidence provided by doctors can assist the court in making informed and fair decisions. Giving evidence in court can be a daunting experience, but knowing the protocols can help practitioners to navigate the legal system. When acting as a medical witness, a medical practitioner's role is to provide impartial evidence to assist the court. I think it's probably important at this point we distinguish between um, a doctor who is a treating doctor who will be asked to present factual information about their treatment of a particular patient and an independent expert who will be asked to give evidence of their opinion as an independent expert. Um, That will be based on their experience and expertise as relevant to this particular case. A medical practitioner should not act as an advocate for either party. Um, And in relation when they're a treating doctor, it's not giving evidence against their own patient there is evidence, as I just said, is to give evidence based on their treatment of the patient. The medical practitioner might be requested by the plaintiff or defendant, ordinarily by subpoena. And it's not optional. Um, When receiving a request to attend by subpoena or otherwise, um, it's advisable and in fact really essential that you contact the practitioner who um, who served the subpoena to make contact with them. It is good practice for the medical practitioner to provide their contact number to the requesting party so they can keep them updated as to what time to attend, if at all. Um, Giving evidence is always hard to predict. It can range from one hour to a whole day 
or more if you're really unlucky. It depends on the complexity of the case, the speed of the barristers, and that is, in my experience, very hard to predict. And the court um, volume of uh, evidence and also um, the hours that the court sits. Um, so every case is different. So, Catherine, is it really actually necessary to go to court? Um, no, not really. Um, even if a practitioner receives a subpoena, there's still a high likelihood they'll not actually end up having to physically attend at court. And I say that for this reason, that um, given practices in court these days and the use of technology, even if they are required, it's not unusual to have their evidence by telephone or at times by video link or occasionally by Skype. Um, and again, if you speak to the solicitor handling the matter early enough, um, it may be possible to arrange some time before that your evidence can be given in that manner. Um, there are a number of different types of matters where a medical practitioner can be required to give evidence. They range from giving evidence in a criminal matter, such as an assault or a murder, manslaughter case, um, where the medical practitioner has been uh, treated the patient, has been the victim of the crime, or uh, at times a, an expert in the case to give evidence um, such as a pathologist or indeed a psychiatrist. Um, in those cases, it would be mostly the case that they will need to physically attend, given the formalities of a criminal trial more than usual, more than likely they will need to be present to give evidence. In terms of a civil case, um, it's not um, unusual for evidence to be given, as I've said, in by other means. Medical practitioners will be required, uh, often in um, QCAT matters, the Civil and Administrative Tribunal, uh, or the work, uh, work cover claim, or indeed in family law matters, or child protection matters. Um, there's a real, it's hard to circumscribe every sort of matter that they may be required to give evidence in. So um, it's hard to predict the um, range of matters where you may need to give evidence in. So in, in the matters where you may be required to physically attend and potentially have a Skype uh, appearance, um, what sort of dress code would you um, be looking at or what would be uh, recommended in, in your experience? Well, I think you would um, usually wear formal attire. Um, in times gone past, you would say, what would you wear to church? But it, these days, it might be more, what would you wear to see the principal of your child's school um, as, as a good guide to any witness attending at court? Um, it's not usually a problem with medical practitioners in, in, um, in advising them what to wear to court. What about for first-time witnesses? What are some tips that you can offer? Um, well, doctors, quite understandably, like any other witness, can be nervous about giving evidence in court, uh, particularly if it's the first time. And, of course, some areas of specialisation um, very rarely go to court, whereas others, such as pathologists, um, regularly um, attend court. But always remember you're not the person on trial or the subject of the proceedings, uh, so you're not the one being prosecuted 
or being sued. So your role is to provide factual evidence um, or as an independent expert um, being questioned upon your report. Um, and in relation to your report, um, the facts uh, and material that you based your report upon. So if you keep those thoughts at the forefront of your mind, that's probably a good way to proceed. Thanks, Catherine. Are, are there any recommendations you could make to a practitioner in terms of their obligations to the court and to their patients? Yes. Well, obviously you would not voluntarily agree to go to court unless it's um, your patient's solicitor who's are seeking that you do so. In other cases, you would only do so under subpoena because clearly you owe a duty of confidentiality to your patient. Unless it's with the patient's solicitor who has requested you to give evidence, you would not otherwise discuss the matter outside of the witness box. And what should a practitioner do before giving the evidence required? Well, practically speaking, with a subpoena, often um, the notes will be subpoenaed before the practitioner gives evidence at court. So practitioners would have read and usually have copies of the notes, obviously with the usual duties that uh, legal practitioners have of keeping them confidential, um, so that legal practitioners should be familiar with the contents of them. And of course, if in the case of an independent expert, a copy of their medical legal report, and again, as an expert, you will be required to produce any of your notes or working papers involved in the preparation of your report to be inspected by the parties to the litigation. What about some tips for practitioners who are providing evidence in person? What can you um, suggest in, in that area? Uh, well, obviously, as we've already indicated, it's best if you stay in fairly constant contact with the solicitor who has subpoenaed you so that you waste as little time as you can waiting outside court. When, and you should obviously ascertain which court, which floor, um, you need to go to. Generally, you should not enter the courtroom until your name is called and you're not, in general, permitted to go and sit in the court unless that has been agreed by the parties. Now, in some cases, it is agreed, um, particularly where you're an independent expert, that you should sit in the court while another expert gives their evidence, but that will only be where there's been agreement by the parties prior to your giving evidence. That's a good tip. And in terms of physically going into the courtroom, the bailiff or court officer will take you to the witness box. You remain standing when you get to the witness box and you'll be asked whether you take an oath or an affirmation. And I pause there to say that in terms of other religions, if you have um, a particular requirement that you seek that you take your own affirmation or oath, then you should advise a solicitor well ahead of that so that there can be particular arrangements made for that. You should then remain standing until that has all gone through with that process. You'll be asked to then sit in the witness box. The first question you'll be asked is, can you please provide the court your full name and your qualifications? Um, you will be asked to give your address. Don't ever provide your home address for good reason. You should provide your professional address. 
Now, in terms of, of the actual evidence that a medical practitioner is to provide, what are some important points for, for an expert to think about whilst giving that evidence? Firstly, you're, you have an overriding duty to the court. Your role is impartial and you're there to inform the court and assist the judge or the jury in a criminal case to actually understand the evidence. You are not there as an advocate for one side or the other. You're there to provide the facts as you know them um, and as an independent expert and opinion. Giving evidence is not like having a conversation. Um, you will be asked questions. You need to listen to each question, obviously consider it and decide whether you are able to answer the question and how. A, a mistake often made by witnesses is to try to race ahead and answer a question that they think a barrister is posing. So if you're asked, for instance, um, were you at a particular place last Tuesday and they anticipate the barrister is leading up to a question, did you see the body of a person at the park on Tuesday? Don't rush ahead and say, and by the way, I didn't see anybody in the park on Tuesday. That will simply infuriate the judge and likely reflect in an adverse way on your overall weight of your evidence. Um, so don't ever guess what the question is. If you don't understand the question, and barristers are famous for asking long-winded questions, um, indicate that you don't understand the question and could they please rephrase it. If you are particularly nervous, a strategy I often advise witnesses is to pick up the water glass in front of you, take a sip from it, pause for a moment and then continue with their evidence. Um, a tip that I think is valuable for experts giving evidence is in describing often quite complex evidence um, is to provide it as a general proposition and then relate it to the particular facts of the case, which is often a good way to link it for the judge or in a particular case, a jury, um, so that it is, um, the general becomes the particular, so that it is relatable to the particular issue that the judge needs to decide. Now, that's not something that you would go on yourself. That would be something you would discuss with the solicitor and barrister prior to um, giving evidence in the case so that questions are asked of you that would invite those types of answer. Another tip is stay within your areas of expertise. Um, some cannot help but venture opinions outside of their expertise. For example, um, someone who holds themselves out as a psychotherapist without any um, appropriate qualifications um, diagnosing um, a client or patient with a psychiatric illness. Another aspect is that it's not a memory test, so that if you seek to look at your notes, you are entitled to do so. You should just simply ask the judge whether you can have reference to either your report or your notes in the witness box, and that will be readily um, given. The particular issues with expert evidence that need to be remembered in terms of um, your report, the weight that will be accorded to it is if the opinions you advanced, the, the facts that it's based on, you should be clear about what information you've been provided. 
any opinions that have been drawn from the facts provided so that it's clear to anyone reading it what your opinions are based upon. If not, there will be issues about your opinion being admissible in the court, but overall it will detract from the weight of your report if they are not. So a way for your report to be attacked in court is either challenging your level of expertise or indeed the factual basis that you have proceeded on. So you need to be very clear about the evidence and facts that you have proceeded on with your report and be right across those and ready to answer questions because that is often a trap for young players if they're not clear about what um, facts and matters they have relied upon. And Catherine, what tips can you give an expert in terms of the structure of providing the evidence in court? Um, Well, evidence is essentially um, broken up into three areas. Evidence in chief, so that it follows immediately after a witness is sworn in, that is after they've provided an oath or affirmation. So um, the party who has called that witness will ask the medical practitioner a series of questions based on the information contained in the medical records and or report. So generally along the lines of Dr so-and-so Um, have you provided a report in relation to patient X? And um, a number of questions will be asked. The purpose of um, evidence in chief is for the practitioner to provide their evidence to the judge and or jury. A judge can interrupt, and some judges do interrupt an awful lot, to ask questions of the expert to clarify issues. Generally, evidence in chief is not necessarily lengthy, particularly if there is a report prepared. The second aspect is cross-examination, and generally that is the longest um, stage. That is where an opposing party or parties ask probing questions with respect to the experts' reports, notes and evidence in chief. Um, So in a civil case, for instance, a personal injuries matter, a barrister representing the insurer for the defendant would ask questions. Um, It's not unusual. There may be several parties to that litigation and each barrister would ask similar but perhaps slightly different questions. In a uh, criminal matter, the prosecutor would open their case and defence counsel would ask questions of the witness. And variously in other jurisdictions counsel, solicitor, or it might be a litigant in person will ask matters in cross-examination. What is essential is in cross-examination. You need to put your case to the other side. So if the other party has, for instance, a report from an expert, it is essential that they put the contents of it to you so you have a chance to comment upon it. Now, generally now there are rules and procedures of courts and tribunals that reports are to be exchanged. And for instance, in QCAT, there is to be a conclave of experts um, where there is a document to be produced as to where the experts agree and what points they disagree upon. So I really can't imagine cases now these days where you wouldn't have seen ahead of time a report from an expert in your area prior to you giving expert evidence. 
and I'll talk later about um, issues in terms of expert opinions and ways in which they can be challenged. Um, Re-examination is the third stage. So that's where a party who has called the witness will clarify any issues that have been left unclear or that part, that witness was interrupted in giving an answer. It's also a time where a judge might want to ask some questions and ask for some assistance on a particular issue. It's a really good idea to answer promptly when the judge asks you a question. Not a good idea to obfuscate at that stage. As a general rule of thumb, I re-examine for a very short period of time because either it means your witness has gone really badly if you want to re-examine for a lengthy period of time or if they've done very well, you risk undoing how well they've done. So uh, I don't tend to re-examine for a very long period of time, and particularly with an expert witness. So some other just little tips for giving evidence. In courts, um, generally, the judicial officer you refer to as your honour. Um, never refer to them as your worship because that's what magistrates were known as and that would really offend a Supreme or District Court judge. So, and at times when people forget they, you know, nervous witnesses might end up calling them sir or madam, but try to remember your honour. Um, do try not to be argumentative uh, or sarcastic. Uh, it doesn't augur well for you um, to use either. You're really there to assist the tribunal, that is the court, in coming uh, to an answer. And the court is genuinely seeking your assistance in arriving at uh, a conclusion and they don't find it helpful for someone in your position to be light-hearted or sarcastic in giving your answers. Um, the other thing to remember is if a party objects to a question, a barrister will get to their feet either quickly or lumber to their feet and your job is to stop answering a question until the objection has been ruled on by the presiding judge. And if the question is allowed, then you'll probably ask for it to be repeated because everyone, including the barrister, will have forgotten it by that stage. And now for the expenses. So generally, a medical practitioner can only claim for travel expenses if subpoenaed to give evidence in a criminal matter by the police. But in all other cases, the medical practitioner can negotiate a payment with the party who has issued the subpoena before attending court, which would generally be their hourly rate or their loss of income from the practice in having to attend court. So it's worth putting in cancellation fees as well because matters are often cancelled with very short notice. Um, and, of course, it's very common for cases to settle during the running of them. It might even be on the morning of court before you give your evidence. The chances of you then being able to recover your cost by seeing patients when you haven't got any patients booked in for the day are low. And whilst this is, of course, very inconvenient for you, the fact that you're very well prepared and ready to attend can, of course, be part of the reason that a matter settles. Cases can also be delayed due to administrative reasons, such as the number of cases in the court list that morning. And generally, you will be um, having conversations with the solicitors who are calling you to give evidence, and they will undoubtedly be giving you updates as to the likelihood of the case being reached that day, later in the week, or at all. 
Solicitors, barristers and judges are sensitive to the needs of medical practitioners and will try to accommodate you where they can so as to minimise interruptions to your practice. Thank you for listening to The Checkup. Make sure you're subscribed and stay tuned to the next episode. And if you'd like to know more or you have any questions for the BN team, please head to bnlaw.com.au. Thanks for listening.